0: Oh my God! You posted that. Delete it. I feel so attacked right now. Don't act me, me, me like that. that. Welcome to the 12th episode of Don't At Me. I'm your host, Michaela Copeland, and I'm ready to deep dive on social media with you here today. I'll admit, making this episode scared me a little. Like the dark web, it's a mysterious place to me. Something that I feel like I should know a lot more about since I spend so much time on the internet, and I study social media, and I work in a company full of developers. But my lack of knowledge is what's so scary. The fact it's not highlighted or talked about. It's become such like a cliche word. Ooh, the dark web. But when I spoke to a lot of people here at work who would be like the typical suspects, aka like really techie into Reddit, all that stuff, they hadn't even touched it. In fact, not many people know what lies underneath the surface of the word. And that has me kind of curious. So let's fully unpack the dark web with its origin, who uses it and what's on there. And I also have an anonymous guest, very on brand for the dark web episode, and he'll be taking us through the whole experience. And then we'll end with a question. Investopedia defines the dark web as encrypted online content that is not indexed by conventional search engines. Hang on, that sounds pretty innocent. Like you're not being tracked by corporations. That sounds pretty cool but then if you think back to like ask fm and all those anonymous asking question sites for teenagers right there was some pretty nasty stuff on there so maybe being anonymous does come with some dangers but who thought of the dark web well according to the international money fund in the late 1990s two research organizations in the u.s department of defense drove efforts to develop an anonymized encrypted network that would protect sensitive communications of u.s spies they originally like weren't going to release it to the public But if there's only spies on this network, then they'd be pretty easily traceable. Therefore, some of the researchers saw a different value proposition at hand, launching a not-for-profit focused on anonymity for human rights and privacy activists. So a lot of stuff you'll see on the internet that is pretty innocent is all about privacy because that's sort of a thing that people are starting to realize. Oh shit, corporations are getting all my data. How can I protect myself? And while it has the good side of offering extreme privacy and protection from the surveillance of authoritarian governments, it also facilitates a growing underground marketplace where those tech-savvy criminals can traffic drugs, stolen identities, child pornography, and other illicit things. But it can't be all bad, right? Well, well in an article by CSO Online, it was referenced that researchers Daniel Moore and Thomas Reed of King's College in London classified the context of 2,723 live dark websites over a five-week period. And that was back in 2015. They found that 57% of those sites hosted illicit material. 57%. That's like over majority. But I guess it's not all. And just like anything, the dark web is mediatized. And I want to see if like their headlines were as gruesome as ours. So I went on to a dedicated site called darknet stats this is on the normal internet, not the dark one. Um, and they reported on dark web news. So I indexed a month of articles and categorized them in terms of their topic. In total, I looked at 28 articles All were, as you can guess, negative. There were four main themes of them though, like pedophilia, drugs, money, and illegal goods. The least popular was illegal goods. There was three articles on it, which is sort of the usual guns and whatnot. The second least popular was money. Although it came in as a strong seven articles, right? It was mostly about scam money, money laundering, etc. Then I found eight articles, the second most popular about pedophilia. Doesn't really surprise me. I feel like it's one of the most sort of connotations when it comes to the dark web. And lastly, the most popular, drugs. Of course it's drugs and a lot of schemes undercover operations or stuff like that but it wasn't enough to see what was making the media I needed to know exactly who was using the dark web and from this survey it's pretty obvious so it's not data from the dark web because like duh it's untraceable um, but nevertheless Statistica put out a survey and here are the results and the results are probably I'm guessing from the like I guess the IP addresses of the locations of people have gone in to download the dark web browser. So I can't 100% be sure where these statistics came from. I just know that Statistica did them and they're a pretty reputable source. So they would have been legit. So I found that Australia and the United States don't even make the top 10 list of countries who use the dark web. Pretty interesting. The top 10 list goes 10, Poland, nine, Republic of Korea, eight, Mexico, seven, Sweden, six South Africa, five Turkey, four Indonesia, three Brazil, two Russia, and at number one is India. I'm not sure if that surprised anyone, but it sort of surprised me that more English speaking countries weren't on there since, you know, like that's what's in like CSI and all that. So yeah, it did surprise me a little bit that we weren't up there at all. And now I've dived into this rabbit hole, I wanted to know people's real-life experiences. I first talked to Reddit because my boss told me that the dark net was Reddit times a thousand, so let's just start at the source. In a thread with 14.1k upvotes, someone asked people who have been on the dark web, what is the scariest or most surprising thing you've found? One user said, I found a store for Apple products, and in the website, there was a Q&A on one of the questions, saying how is it so cheap? And all the answers were, all of our products are stolen. Well, at least they're honest, I guess. This one's more out of the ordinary. A user said, in short, this guy would randomize your mail for six to seven weeks before you plan on getting a delivery of something illegal. But he had no involvement in the shipping of anything illegal. You'd pay this guy a couple of hundred dollars and he'd send you things to your residence on a weekly basis. Week one, ice skates. Week two, a board game. Week three, sneakers. Week four, an Xbox controller. So on and so forth. So you give him a schedule and a date of when you'd be ordering something illegal and he'd spam your place with various packages of random retail bullshit from distributors all around the world leading up to the date then you get the drugs or whatever you're ordering the randomization of mail and creating a pattern or lack of thereof I guess um, would allegedly help you decrease the chances that your illegal order would be pinged by some USPS monitor and the police I guess and now moving on to the next one this one really gets me one user said I once found a forum dedicated to sharing recordings of the automated messages that tell you the next stop on the train people would post the recordings that they presumably made themselves and they discuss them it haunts me to this day i have so many questions And, um, fair enough, yeah, um, I don't know what you'd want to discuss about those recordings. Like, sometimes they pronounce the suburbs a bit wrong, but it's just because you've got an accent from where you're from, and these recordings are probably all made in America or something weird, so that's all I have to discuss on them. I don't think I can make a whole forum about it. And lastly, oh man, this one gets me. A user said, there was a German man selling pretzels. Just pretzels. So... There you go. Unless you really go digging for that nasty stuff, it isn't really as scary as we think. And after finding all this out, I still had some questions. So I've got an anonymous guest to help answer them. Okay, so I have our anonymous guest here. I'm just going to keep it anonymous because like one, that's pretty cool. But also two, there could be some benefits to it. So um, hello, Mr. X, do we call you?
1: Hello, I'm Mr. X.
0: There we go, Mr. X. And um, he was basically the only one I could find who was um, using the dark web and had some experiences with it. So um, that's why I've got him here today. But I thought we'd go through a couple of questions that I had and a few questions I actually got some from some um, users on Instagram. So um, let's go and start with, I guess, what sparked your curiosity to actually get into the dark web?
1: Well, that's a good one. It actually turned out because I heard about a book by Nick Bilton that's called American Kingpin. Oh, yeah. Nick himself was actually a guest on one of the podcasts I listened to out of Silicon Valley called This Week in Tech. Oh. Um, so he'd been a guest and he promoted his book and I set out to read it because it's about the Silk Road, which yep. was one of the underground websites on the dark web and I wanted to understand more about how Silk Road came to be and what the big bust was that the FBI took it down. Oh, Okay. So that really was my interest and I thought, okay, I'm going to go and find out about this. And so I read the book. Well, actually, i got it on Audible, listened to the book, yep. driving to and from work. And the rest is history. I went onto the dark web.
0: How long ago was that?
1: Uh, I guess it's probably about uh, two years ago because I remember okay. coming into work and telling people, you've got to check this out. It's going to be a movie. It's got to be a movie. It's such <laughs> a great story.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I will. I will definitely check that out. And like, I guess going into it, like how do you actually physically get into the dark web? Because I have no idea.
1: So I Googled to find out. Yeah. <laughs> Google's not the dark web. No. Um, but it turns out there's lots of resources out there talking about um, a separate network uh, which runs parallel to the normal world wide web that everyone uses. Yep. And it's called the Onion Router. Okay. Um, So the Onion Router, often abbreviated to TOR, T-O-R. Oh,
0: yeah. I thought they were two different things. Okay. Yeah, no, it's the same.
1: And um, the concept there is you would go and look up a a website address that ends in .onion. Yep. Of course. Yep. Um, And that is a pointer, if you like, to where you can find that site in the dark web itself. Oh, okay. Only accessible there on the Onion Router network. It won't appear outside of that.
0: Yep. So you have to go to the Onion website and then you just download it?
1: Yeah, technically you can. You can just go, like the Tor network is the sort of the central network that sustains that entire dark web. You can go and get their browser that's called, um, I think it's called Tor Browser. But that is specifically what you would run in order to be able to get access to those sites. And they're just accessible in that way. Similar to how you would type in a website address in your browser normally as a www, but you enter an address.onion and that piece of software specifically then knows how to go and find it and retrieve the content and just show it to you on your screen.
0: And what about using a VPN with that?
1: So that would help you in the sense that if you enter the Onion network via this Tor browser from outside, you're still gonna be doing that from the address that your machine was given from your normal internet provider. Mm. So if someone really wanted to and they were keeping an eye on the entry points to the Onion Network, they would see that you had gone in there and might wonder why did you do that? So if you run a VPN, you're masking the address that you're originating from. So a lot of people do that because they want to watch something like netflix in another jurisdiction
0: yeah Yeah, that's the main common pretend to
1: be in the u.s to see the u.s netflix library yeah so it's a similar thing it's just saying you're not at your computer in the country that you're sitting at you're actually Mm. at another computer in another country Mm. um and so if anyone ever looks up that record to who went into the onion network Mm -hmm. and into the dark web Mm -hmm. it wouldn't necessarily correlate back to you
0: yeah do you use anything else to i guess mask yourself while you're on there
1: um i do use incognito mode in a browser but with the Tor browser if you're actually going into the dark web that in itself is entirely anonymous and destroys any records like cookies or tracking Mm. history so that's not happening within that bit of software it's designed to just be there in the moment that you need it and then just clears itself out
0: yeah and here's the million dollar question what do you do there
1: well, I was interested in Silk Road when it got busted, yep. um, so the FBI took it down. Obviously, mm-hmm. others sprung up that tried to clone it, yep. and I was trying to find out what are the current sites out there on the dark web that are the equivalent.
0: So like, maybe explain first what Silk Road is, because I have no idea. Cool.
1: So a guy called Ross Ulbricht built uh, the Silk Road out of a libertarian view that he should be able to grow magic mushrooms and okay. sell magic mushrooms for recreational use. Yep. He was very successful in doing that, yep. but in so doing, and building the site for that purpose it soon got hijacked by other third parties who wanted to use it for harder drugs Um, because it was anonymized and Bitcoin was sort of the founding currency at the time that provided some anonymity around currency exchange. It grew and grew and grew and almost became too much of a big system for Nick to keep control of. Mm. Um, The FBI nabbed him in the end because of slip-ups he made between his fake identity in the dark web and his real identity in real life. They put two and two together. He got nabbed. Mm. Site disappeared, so I went there to sort of... Having read Nick's story about Silk Road's demise, I found out what the newer versions of those are and that's again Mm. easy to google and find out Mm. went into the dark web to have a look at you know what are these sites where you can buy weapons and drugs and i did it because i wanted to protect my kids and understand what they're going to be discussing in the school playground they're going to find this stuff right yeah so i wanted to be educated and knowledgeable so i went online to see what i could what i could access
0: oh okay well i i wouldn't think that Kids would be going on the dark, <laughs> the dark net just then. You
1: don't know what my kids are capable of. Oh,
0: okay. All right. Well, I get it. It's sort of like a parental um, safety lock. You're like, well, if I know, then there's no surprises coming my way.
1: Right. And I can have an open discussion about it because I expect they will get savvy or find savvy friends. And, yep. and then because... They might want to get access to drugs, mm. um, which you know might be easier online mm. because it's so anonymous that mm. you choose to go that route than traditionally in the real world. And my worry is that that is almost too accessible. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be able to know what does it look like if you ship something from one of these sites? Okay, you know, yeah. how does it arrive at the house? Oh, um, yeah. And well, just, how does it arrive? <laughs> yeah, well, in plain packaging, and it manages to slip through customs, and so wow. many packages do make it that yeah. aren't, aren't intercepted by border control. And that is the big battle that the authorities mm-hmm. have. Mm-hmm. But, uh, that, yeah, that's purely me wanting to look out for them. And uh, I thought by having the knowledge, it can't hurt.
0: Yeah, was there anything else surprising that you found on there?
1: Well, it, I found it interesting that it's not all nefarious activity. Mm. They're not all drug sites or weapons trading sites. Mm. Um, there are genuine businesses out there that are putting their content out under a onion address purely because they want to have the visitors to their sites feel like they're not being tracked. So oh, a lot of okay. us are getting concerned about privacy. Yeah. And so this is a way to say, look, if I put a site there for you, I know that you can still access the content, yeah. but in a way that cookies and advertising links don't all track you and follow you, that it becomes bloody annoying on the normal web.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I guess, I guess that sort of leads into what's the difference between um, incognito mode and the dark web.
1: Yeah, so I think incognito mode is a, a light way Um, to say when I'm online and I'm going from site to site Mm. I don't want cookies tracking my activity and piecing together the complete path I took across the web Mm. so incognito mode is a way for you to effectively start browsing on the normal web and to just have a completely you know brand new initiated profile with no history or tracking behind it yeah therefore it doesn't Taint What you see or mm. keep popping up those annoying ads where you go, I, I'm sure I spoke to a friend about that yeah, last week. And yeah. how did that get there? Yep. So incognito mode is more about just masking um, your identity from tracking of the regular tracking tools. Um, the dark web is much more about uh, completely entering that point anonymously. So once you disappear behind that door off the street, no one knows mm. you're in there and what you're up to or where you go before you yeah. come back out again. Okay. So it's completely masked, whereas incognito is just helping you to combat tracking.
0: I guess it's sort of like um, if you don't use a VPN and you're going into like the Onion browser, it's sort of like... I don't know, going into a nightclub and there's a surveillance camera outside and it sees you going in, doesn't know what you're doing there, but then you come out and it sees you come out.
1: Very good analogy, yeah. Okay. Bingo. <laughs> I'm
0: trying to make it for people who aren't as techie to figure out, I guess, what the sort of route is there. Yeah, but, what does the camera yeah. see,
1: what does the camera not see? Yeah,
0: yeah, okay. And like, I guess what are some um, common misconceptions that you've found that people think about the dark web and ha- you having been on it, can you bust some of them?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think um, if I tell people I've been on it, there is a stigma because it's so unusual and not known to people. They tend to assume you must have done something bad. So I did not go on there and buy weapons. I did not go on and buy drugs. I was doing research and then visiting, um, you know, what you would call not so taboo subjects. Mm. Um, So I guess it's, it's so niche at the moment mm. that people are starting to understand privacy and concerns around everything that's going on with the the big companies tracking us that they're just out of curiosity doing it from a privacy um, mm. uh, screening standpoint yeah that's totally normal right yeah. uh, what well, you define normal <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but to me you know I was there doing research to be informed I'm not there to do what you think people would do the dark web is not all dark I guess is mm. the is the takeaway
0: Yeah. Well, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I think it's really interesting that no one is really talking about it still. Like we're in this age of technologies coming out and everyone's getting applications and everyone's having like different browsers. Like what is that duck browser where it like-
1: Duck, duck, go. There
0: you go, duck, duck, go. Yep, all that sort of stuff. But the dark web is still pretty taboo for people. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm surprised it's not getting more traction.
1: I guess because I looked at Nick's book and that's how I got involved. My mm. entry point to this subject was it was dark. It was about Silk Road, mm. one of the initial um, platforms that allowed trading of arms, trading of drugs and it was the sort of thing that you would not normally walk into the workplace and talk about because people go well that's weird what are you doing fishing around in there and so it's it's still got that taboo and niche because it's been linked previously to the underworld yeah
0: the underworld yeah like the black market criminal
1: underworld I should say
0: (laughs) yes that's true like um I have asked some people and they're like why do you want to know that I'm like because people need to know even if like you know, it's not our point to be like, you should not go or go on there. It's just to inform people of what's out there. So
1: purely, as I say, curiosity, safety, just to be informed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, well, thank you for answering some questions. Maybe we can go on the dark web later. <laughs> if yeah. You'll let me.
1: <laughs> yep. um,
0: but yes, thank you for coming along. Um, I really appreciate it. And it's definitely enhanced my knowledge of the dark web. So thank cool. You.
1: This is Mr. X signing out.
0: So after that interview, Mr. X actually took me on the dark web. He showed me the process, and honestly, it's not that hard to get on there. Um, We did use a VPN, and then... um We just downloaded um, Tor and then we looked at some Onion sites. It's really not like the CSI shows at all. We just dabbled around and like went to normal sites such as like Facebook. I think we looked up Succulents for some reason. And like some of them wouldn't even connect, but it was really interesting because they all have their sort of unique um, URL to get in there. It's never like a normal URL like Facebook.com. There always has to be some sort of obscure random letters and numbers in there to be on the dark web. Cool question time. Lisa Annie Carroll, which was a guest on um, Social Media Saved Comedy, you should go listen to the episode. Um, she asked me through Instagram stories seriously, how do people not get caught using it? Well, Lisa, they use VPNs and cover their tracks really well. Like, I'm talking really well. Like, you can't have anything else open that could track you. Like, you could have Messenger open, and then Messenger would see your VPN, even. And then, like, you know, the police can go ask Messenger who like access passenger at this time from this location and then they can probably see that you downloaded the browser via your VPN and if they have enough coincidences they could get a warrant but I'm just sort of speculating here. There's probably lots of tips out there about securing yourself but one major way that people do get caught is just not paying attention to detail. For example, one particular story I found so interesting, like for someone who has binge watched all of Law & Order SVU, it's pretty interesting right now because it's like a real life episode and it's about Lux, right? The justice that was served to this guy named Lux is pretty satisfying, but his crime is pretty morbid. Um, So just trigger warning here. Lux is a 22-year-old Victorian man, so like, yeah, not that far from home from me right now. And he hosted the website Hurt to the Core. Specifically, here's the introduction on the actual former site again. Trigger warning. hurt Decor is a forum dedicated to open discussion images as well as video sharing. This is a censorship-free forum and thus all topics are allowed here. This means we accept both the child love and hurt core aspects of pedophilia. If you do not agree with that or are easily offended, then this is not the place for you. Otherwise, welcome to hurt Decor. This was just one of his websites in his pedo empire that was getting 400,000 plus hits a day. The process in which the police narrowed it down to being him who was hosting these sites and his name is Lux but his real name is actually Matthew Graham and I don't know the process. It hasn't been revealed and I'm guessing if it was revealed people would um, protect themselves from the police finding them. So I understand why the police haven't really revealed how they narrowed him down but, but where they really got him according to the Sydney Morning Herald is when Matthew was asked to unlock his laptop and of course... He refused, but he willingly handed over his phone and his passcode. Big mistake. Catched on it was three images he didn't even know were there. Trigger warning. Again, it was of two dead children and one baby being stood on. He was charged with possessing child abuse material and failing to comply with an order to provide his laptop password. From there, you know how it goes, they can get warrants, they dig deeper. Eventually, after the whole investigation was over, he was sentenced to 15 years in jail on 13 charges. They were all pretty much enablement. He never physically did anything to a child. They were all about hosting the sites and encouraging, but he never did anything. And 30 kids were actually tracked down and saved throughout the investigation. So that is a massive win for police there. So Lisa, although it is encrypted, there are ways and coincidences that occur That can lead to finding those who are using the dark web for evil call me santa because i am about to wrap up this episode thank you to mr x for being so willing to help me with this episode and all the knowledge that he brings. and thanks to you guys for listening via anchor spotify and apple podcasts remember to chuck a review on our podcasts and message me on insta if you'd like to feature Next episode will probably be a while away, I'm not going to lie. I have a huge couple of weeks coming up with Christmas and Falls Festival and my birthday. It's safe to say I'll probably see you after those are over. I'm definitely looking forward to Christmas though. Like, will I be one of those basic bitches who has a New Year's resolution of going to the gym because I stuff myself with too much Christmas ham? Hmm, maybe. Don't at me, guys. (laughs)